Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and a cultural critic. I'm Dave. I'm a comedian, an actor, and founding band member of Low Shoulder. <laughs> um, along those lines, I just want to start off. I, I do want to be really serious. I, I actually, but like, this is a silly, fun, campy movie. Um, but before we get into it, Madeline, I do want to say, through the trees, I will find you something to do. Go quiet through the trees. <laughs> Thought you were going to like that more than you did, but okay. <laughs> Welcome to Genre Reveal Party, where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, its definition, its limits. And what we can learn by exploding them. Each episode, one of us chooses a TV show or movie to discuss with spoilers because you don't need to have seen the thing to enjoy the podcast. We're in season two. We don't need another hero. Today, we are talking about the 2009 Karin Kusama directed Diablo Cody written Jennifer's Body. Um, if, if you can't tell by my enthusiasm, I'm the one who picked this movie. I think that that will be... Evident as we th this was my I, I this is my second watch right before we were recording now, and it went up three and a half stars two months ago to four stars for me today. Oh um, wow! And it was your your first watch. Correct? Yes. Yes. Um, do you have a star? You don't have a star rating. You know what I would give this movie? It's the worst, worst one. Much worse than a one star or a bomb. It's a two and a halfer. Oh, I don't think that's the worst. I, I mean, when you're I think really a two and rating, a is I think that's I think that's the most cruel thing you could ever do to a movie. I do, I do know what you're saying, and there's certain. It, that's the way I feel about uh, leave the world behind. All right. Well, we'll talk about that in a different time. Are we going to? I don't want do do we need do we have to? We don't need to talk about that movie in a recording or at all, but you're the one who just brought it up. So I know don't I thought act we as could if I'm forced maybe, to talk about it. I thought we could go maybe on a little tangent, but uh, okay. I I'll, I'm back I'm back on. Uh let me let me summarize this. I'm just excited, okay? Let summarize this movie before You had too much ghost energy. Don't not ghost energy. Today we're sponsored by Wordle, okay? Oh. Madeline just discovered Wordle. No, I didn't. 34 days I, ago. 34 days ago, I did. Oh, okay. Okay. Got yeah, a yeah, 34 yeah. Well, days compared streak. to everyone else, that is just discovered. Yes. I'm convinced that there's more luck involved. Uh, you aren't Will you say it. it's rigged against you? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, that was Dave? a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> oh, my God. But if I'm only getting one letter... And I'm not guessing Q's and Z's. I'm guessing, I'm guessing fruit, and still just the U in wood is coming through. I'm just saying, Jennifer's body. The plot is <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Megan Fox plays Jennifer. Oh, Jennifer Check. Okay, I was like, does she have a last name? Megan Fox plays Jennifer Check. Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. I just how to pronounce her name. Seyfried. 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 Anita Needy Lesnicki. And they Anita. live in a town Needy. called... <laughs> they live in a town called Devil's Kettle. They're childhood best friends. Jennifer is the hot girl every guy wants to fuck, every girl wants to be. And... Uh, 
in a in a classic she's all that sort of situation without the transformation uh Amanda Seyfried is is the the nerd the the like obviously beautiful hollywood actress who's played as as nerd so they go to a concert by the band Low Shoulder who provides the fucking full on bop through the trees uh and but Low Shoulder the the what do you the play bar for they Low go- Shoulder what what instrument Oh, what do I play? Yeah, because you're actu- in that band. I'm actually kind of the I I do sound. I'm like the George Martin of low, sh- <laughs> low shoulder. I I kind of make that make everything sound tinny and thin and kind of that that like 2009 emo sound. That's me uh, for for low shoulder. Okay. So so Jennifer's obsessed with low shoulder. They go to the bar. Bar burns down. The the band lead singer Adam Brody, uh, t- they they take Jennifer into their van. She's clearly like dazed or fucked up, and then, uh, you know, skipping ahead, I'm I'm presenting it chronologically with all the information. They attempt to sacrifice her, uh, because they think she's a virgin, to make their band big, and. She's not a virgin, so instead she becomes a succubus and starts feeding on boys all over the town. Eventually, Needy confronts her about this and is like, I want nothing to do with you. So he starts doing all this research and is like, oh shit, she's a fucking succubus. She's she's always like amped up and and beautiful as beautiful as she can be when she has fed. And then after like I don't know, a month, a couple weeks, a week, she then idea. drains to like a, uh, you know, if, if we're going to be the kind of douchebags who grade on a one, at, one to 10 scale, she becomes a nine uh, at the end of that period and then has to feed to become a perfect dime piece once again. And then, uh, <laughs> so then, so then it all, it all culminates at prom where, Amanda Seyfried's character. I'm like getting all, all na- I'm so fucking excited to talk about. Yeah. This I am a little uh, scared. <laughs> I know. So, so needy is so, uh, has, has, has ditched her boyfriend, chip dove who goes to, they both go to, well, she goes to prom by herself. He almost goes to prom, but is distracted by Jennifer who brings him to the pool house, this decrepit pool house, tries to eat him, but Needy intervenes. Uh, Jennifer escapes. Needy chases after her, eventually kills Needy. No, Needy eventually kills Jennifer Mm -hmm. uh, by stabbing her in the heart, but not before getting bitten, and that transfers a little bit of powers to her. Oh, Chip does die, by the way. Um, And then then that provides the bookend, because at the beginning – we see needy in some sort of institution where she has strong powers and, and can like kick people and punch things hard. So, uh, and so, so at the end, Jennifer's dead, chips dead and needy is traumatized, but alive and, and, and floating. She's fucking, 
she's floating during doing her meditations. But that's not the end. What do you mean? I mean, the oh, end that, is... you're right. You're right. You're, you're oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. The credit sequence, right? Which what am I thinking? She breaks so many out of the instant with this being just the credit <laughs> sequence. FYI, well, but. sure, sure, sure. But she. I, I don't know. I kind of like it. So she escapes the institution and kills all the members of Low Shoulder. So, yeah, that's uh, and, and that is the end. And then there's this creepy Amanda Seyfried on CCTV footage making eye contact as all these fans swarm past because they found the hotel room where they don't know she's already killed the band. And yeah, she's wearing a hoodie and she looks creepy and. I don't know. I'm I'm stoked, so let's chat. Let's chat. So I know you have a question for me to start, and maybe that's the Do best I? way. I mean, I, I, I did peek at your notes. Peeking at my what? notes? Okay. Y- your notes, yeah. Fine. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I was wondering, why did you want to watch this movie for this season, which is on Heroes? Right, but not just Heroes. Heroes, anti-heroes, villains. Is is this, do you think it doesn't belong? Or no. <laughs> you're just genuinely curious? Oh it, it's this not a, it's not a judgment. It's such a toxic conversation we're going to be litigating each other for the next no it's not it's not (laughs) litigating i'm I'm just curious if there's judgment attached to your question what do i mean okay i'm just curious you know how this movie fits into this little constellation of yeah of other films representations of of heroes and villains well okay great great i think First of all, (laughs) realizing that we've been, I mean, we're not even, maybe, maybe are we two thirds of the way through the season? I forget whether we're we're on seven or eight right now. Um, But she, so this is three, I mean, she's not technically a vampire. I made a list of what, what, how she's similar to a vampire and how she's not. But Mm -hmm. I would almost, I would, I would, one of the genre plays of it is, that Jennifer is like kind of a vampire. So that makes three vampire movies we've done in seven episodes. And you and I texted about this and I'm really proud of how much Madeline safe horror we have injected (laughs) into this season. (laughs) So that's part of it. I think I was curious. There's, there's a, you know, a a problematic feminism at the center of it that I was curious for you to see. And, Obviously, Jennifer is a villain, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but then she's killing all these boys who deserve, you know, would seem to deserve to die by horror movie logic to varying degrees. And 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 then in in kind of making my notes for this episode, realizing that like Megan Fox as villainized celebrity Mm-hmm. is is an interesting phenomenon and i and i just think like it is one of the most truly uh grab bag uh melting pot of genres that i've seen recently and i just was stoked i'm just like 
Uh, I forget if I did I say this already that it went from a three and a half to a four. I did. You I did, did, did say that to me. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. No, I'm I just, think it's interesting that we're going so monster with our take on the hero villain anti hero question because the monster is interesting. We've already talked about um, twice in the vampire episodes um, for the ways in which. Like, to be a villain as a human, or a hero as a a human, involves some kind of, you know, dare I say, like, free will. Like, there is actually a choice Mm -hmm. to, to rise (laughs) to the, into these archetypes for a human, whereas a monster can't help but be monstrous, right? True. So I was kind of which makes them a victim as much as a hero or a villain. Yeah. And I do think that's that's an interesting aspect of this film and something I wish it kind of went a little further with. I think I'm gonna say right off the bat, most of what I find interesting about this movie um is happening outside of the movie. Like it's commentary on totally Hollywood, um, the use of Megan Fox, uh, these type of things. Like, I don't think it has a lot going on in and of itself, to be honest. Um, But I'm interested in talking to you about it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to talk about it without, yeah, at first acknowledging that, how it's playing with, specifically Megan Fox's like iconicity, which I'm going to also be honest and say, this is the first time I'm definitely not Megan Fox's demographic. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And this is the first time I've seen anything with her in it. Um, I did know who she was. Um, We're not that dissimilar. This is the only Megan Fox movie I've seen. Lady, you know, or something like that. Right. Right. Um, But I don't even think I knew what her voice was or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. maybe that makes me an ideal viewer of this. But I I think it does kind of catch up a little bit in terms of like the common the meta commentary that it was doing. And let's start with Megan Fox then, because that's that's one of the big things that I wanted to talk about. The like I said, I also this is the only Megan Fox movie I've seen. Mm hmm. I was maybe a little old for her target demographic around the time of this movie. Mm-hmm. De- no, definitely. Cause I'm out of college. This is like teen boy. Uh, it seems very teen boy because she really like her rise was with uh, transformers. Right. And so, right. That and kind of PG 13, Michael Bay. Yes. Horny teenage boy who, who buys Maxim or, Which is interesting, totally, which is interesting because I find what I what is enjoyable to me about this movie is how much one of the things is how much it plays with my expectations, like Hmm. from the marketing campaign. And when people are publishing these like retrospective, like this is a cult classic. Why was it so maligned at the time? A lot of it has to do with the marketing campaign. And I went and rewatched the trailer. The poster is all Megan Fox. I didn't even know Amanda Seyfried was in this movie. I didn't know Amanda Seyfried was in this movie. I didn't know Adam Brody was in this movie. Now looking back, I didn't know Chris Pratt had a like five 30 second cameo or not, Mm -hmm. you know, a pit part. And, and I think, for me, as someone who now can look back and be like, 
you know, a diff, a, a, a less evolved version of myself would look back and be like, Megan Fox, that was the bimbo of 2009, you know? And now with a different relationship to celebrity and especially celebrity women, looking back and being like, oh, what was going on with Megan Fox? Mm-hmm. That I think allows me to watch this movie and be like, to what extent? I mean, obviously, at this point, Megan Fox is way more of a celebrity than she is an actor. But how's her acting in this movie? I think, I think, uh, I as I understand it, I think we disagree quite a bit. I think she kind of fucking nails it, dude. Um, and th- but then also the her phenomenon and all of the uproar around her you know eventually getting fired from the third transformers but it's muddy there was like a shitty letter from crew members on transformers who were who said all these like truly just like horrible things about her and yeah i i and i i found the act of like puncturing that image that I still had as a received image of her um, was part of the fun of this movie. Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't think she's very good in this movie, to be honest. Um, Is it just that, like, do you think she's bad or you're just like not moved by her? I feel like there, it might also be a script problem, right? Like, okay. Um, I don't want to put it all on her that I think her performance doesn't do the work it needs to do um, to, to carry this movie. I think like Amanda Seyfried is a lot more interesting um, as a character yes. and, um, and she just does, I don't, they don't need to be compared in that kind of way, but they kind right. of do because they're going to head to head in a lot of scenes. And I just feel like, it's it's sad <laughs> watching it. And I don't hold it against Megan Fox. It doesn't seem like there was any point in her career where anyone thought to like support her in trying to act and like learning how to act and mm-hmm. to do the craft that's actually um, kind of the challenge of, the, of this role. I appreciate that the role isn't about, I mean, it's called Jennifer's body. It has her in it and you never see any nudity or these type of things. It's actually like pretty respectful in terms of, you know, how it presents her, her body. Um, You almost always see, you know, for instance, her face when her body is being featured, which is like Mm -hmm. a pretty important, um, you know, feminist move. It was made by uh, Kusama's like, awesome and um all of her films kind of do that and um so just to like say her films girl fight yeah. with michelle rodriguez aeon flux with Charlie theron then this this is her third film um she's done two films after the invitation and destroyer but more recently she is one of the producers of Yellow Jackets and she directed the pilot along with like this mm. other really pivotal episode. You know, I 
I love yellow jackets too. And I see a lot of the same like themes and um, questions coming up in yellow jackets. And I really appreciate how this film resonates with that. But um, I just don't think, I don't think that Megan Fox is, um, is working for this film, honestly. Like, I think she needs to have more dimensions. Interesting. Okay, I think she's definitely not a, it's not a nuanced performance. But yeah. that's why it works for me, because Jennifer is not a nuanced character like the yeah i know the, but i think she should be is what i'm saying <laughs> i, think, it, I, I think it's a script issue i um, get what you're saying i don't know if i like i i think it, it really works for me that she's not as much like to con to contrast her with amanda seyfried it's like e I, first of all i think amanda seyfried is like maybe our best actress working today she's fucking so underrated and incredible. Mm -hmm. And in their scenes together, especially the ones where Megan Fox is like succubus out. Mm -hmm. What's amazing to me is that Seyfried, like the, it, it would, it would look, I mean, it either works for you and it does, or it doesn't, if it doesn't work for you, one of the reads is like, it looks like they're acting in different movies. But because it works for me, it looks like Megan Fox gets to play all the camp and like cartoonishness that this role is. And Amanda Seyfried just fucking grounds it and is like playing so real off this entity. And, mm -hmm. and it's almost like a straight man sort of role that she's playing as a result. If like the the horror rather than comedy version of like a straight man and the goofy character. Mm -hmm. And so I liked, I liked that aspect. I just wanted them it. to be able to go head to head. And I just don't think that that's a possibility in this film. Like, head to head. How, like what's your imagination of in that? terms of the quality and depth of character in terms of the performance level, like basically on, Every register, I think. Okay, you're not Safe saying like just... a final confrontation or no. something like that. No, and okay. I don't think that Seyfried's like peacocking or or being not really at all. Solid. She's the opposite. Not, she's a. She seems like she's really trying to support Megan Fox's yeah performance. Mm -hmm. It still doesn't seem to work to me. I, I'm sorry. I just and I do think I'm going to return to this. I don't want it to sound like oh, I'm picking on her specifically no, for no, not no. being able to pull this off. From what I understand, this is like the most complex challenging role that she's ever had. And mm -hmm. I kind of like, you know, respect the film for, for trying to do that. Um, uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm like total killjoy. Like I think no. the two and a half starness of this is that I see what it was trying to do and I don't think it did it. Right. And one of the things is that we need, we need Jennifer to be more of a character and she's a succubus way too early um, but the movie's called Jennifer's body. Like she almost is like, it's not about her soul. It's like, it is about the surface appearance of Jennifer, which is like, I'll say that Megan Fox's looks are like fully half of her performance. And I have no problem with that. I'm like, she's fucking like the way she walks down a hall is part of Jennifer. The way yeah. she like 
you know, unzips her hoodie in that, like, that yeah. I, I found, yeah. Part of it is that these two, these two high school girls are best friends. They have what's called, like, sandbox love, right? Yes, yes. And I don't ever believe that. I need a little more time with them to mm-hmm. get that that's the case. And part of the, part of what this film is asking us to think is, yeah, of course, Second and third acts are, she's just Jennifer's body. She's not Jennifer anymore. Right. She's Jennifer's body. But we need Needy to know the real Jennifer. We need Needy to know Jennifer and not Jennifer's body. And and I don't feel that that's established. I think it's too quick into this whole... I think there's too many things going on, too. Like, they go <laughs> in the beginning to this show... Yeah. Low, sh- low shoulder. Uh-huh. I don't understand. Terrible name a bunch for a band. Of, I don't understand a bunch of things about that. Okay. The bar goes on fire. Yeah. Did the did the did the band set the fire? Do we ever get confirmation? You of see that? that you see How that little gas band... gas can in the wreckage as they're cleaning it up. We do so I think there's some implication happens. there. Yeah. There's some implication, but um that whole sequence happens kind of like a dream where I'm like, Mm -hmm. how come nobody notices that this room is on fire until it's like (laughs) falling (laughs) on top of them? I mean, I have been in a house fire and you notice the second that that shit is happening. If you're in the room, right? Like if you're in the room, you do notice it immediately. It's very, very shocking when something goes on Mm -hmm. fire in front Mm -hmm. of you and the whole bar is on fire and um, I was hoping that it was like a nightmare or something like that, like a hallucination okay. or a kind of, you know, like in six feet under or something like that, how you can kind of go for five minutes and then snap out of it and realize. Right, like, right, right, right. I was hoping it was something like that, but it wasn't. I was like, that's actually the whole movie is that it's just this bizarre fantasy thing that <laughs> that doesn't actually get, get resolved as like being a fantasy. Um I was thinking about sure. it alongside three films, which I think are much, much better. First, I'm going to say best film of 2023, though I have not seen quite a lot of films in 2023. <laughs> Classic. Bottoms. Such a good movie. Okay. I haven't so, seen it, but I, I, okay. I know a lot of people love it. Such a sweet film about, I mean, it's it has a lot of crazy stuff like horror and mm misandry and like brutal violence and really weird kind of fantasy tangents. But it's so much about this um, girl friendship, right? At the center Mm -hmm. of it. It's really, Mm -hmm. really profound and beautiful, I think. Um, But it's not sentimental. Heather's. Doesn't have the girl sure. relationship, but Heather's obviously. Of course. Um, Ghost World. I watched Ghost World at, at rewatched it at the beginning of the pandemic, and I liked it. But man, I think this is way better than Ghost World. I just think I just it's... need their friendship to be a real thing, and it's just not. It should be the beating heart of this movie, and it just isn't. See, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not. See that this is where. <laughs> This is where it's idiocracy 
I, mm. I forget if I said that before we started, but like, you, did. you know, me and me and Hope watching Idiocracy and totally agreeing on what the movie is. And that's why I liked it. And that's why she didn't. But, what did but, you guys say? What was what is the consensus on what it is? Oh, well, just that it like, for instance, that it's the same joke over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, I love that joke. <laughs> you know? uh, which joke? Is Just them saying shit all the time, you know, oh, or okay. like if you don't smoke whatever cigarettes fuck you it's like stupid and i just yeah but um with jennifer's body i i totally agree that it does not have that female friendship Mm -hmm. for me i feel like that's because a amanda seyfried is selling that history enough and b i think it would drastically change the movie like this movie is like you're right. It gets right to it. And it, and like, that's the, uh, the horror rather than like drama element of it is that like, we're very quickly into the crack in reality rather than like letting it builds slowly. I guess so. But okay. Even if that's the case, what those other three movies have over this is that you get a sense of the like political landscape of high school, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. right? I don't yeah. think that that's going on in this movie. It's very one to one. You don't have these kind of. It's like impressionistic. It, these brushstrokes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's a great thing to be doing with a high school movie, especially when you're thinking about like what's motivating her to to prey on who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think it takes that opportunity at all. And it's interesting with Seyfried, like she had just um, become a star, you know, just five years before this it, from Mean Girls, from this like mm-hmm. a little bit of a throwaway character, but she's totally. so good. I mean, I, I'm saying I don't actually like totally like that movie, but I love her. Perfor- I, I like that movie yeah. for particular performances in it and she's probably the best performance in that movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but w- what's interesting about Mean Girls is that attempt to constantly like map out power and these different kinds of dynamics in the high school. And that's just not happening in Jennifer's body either. Like, there's so much ripe territory there. Just, I don't know all of these missed opportunities to me. I found it really frustrating. That's again, the two and a half starness of this where I'm like, Oh, well, I can and I see think, this being really good. And why the fuck isn't it? Oh, God. I mean, it's so funny because <laughs> it feels like you are the difference that we're having is literally like you are the 2009 reaction to this movie. And I'm the 2019, the 10 years later after it's been reevaluated reaction. And it's just like, except like, you're j- it's just not like because because what you're saying like mm-hmm. is that it doesn't like it doesn't bite off enough of the uh kind of I, I almost thought of it with the like sandbox love thing as like now and then this this sort of like flashbacky female relationship drama it doesn't bite off enough of that genre it doesn't but bite I, off that's enough why of, i bring up ghost world and bottoms because i'm like we can have that without the like crass sentimentality oh totally and, but i'm saying it doesn't you know, it doesn't bite off enough voiceovers of and like a sarah mclaughlin song or something like that we can totally have it without it, be, it going there it could keep this like diablo cody 
vibe going and still have dynamic, beautiful women with women relationships that aren't always mediated by boys, which is what goes on, right? Like we don't have any development in their friendship, but it ends because of a boy, right? Mm-hmm. True, true, fair. It's fair. always these these men are like in the middle of these things. And I just think I find it. But your very, point very about the high school, your point about yes. the high school dynamic is 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 part of the genre thing to me where okay. I like that it's taking a tiny swatch from that. But it does for you, it doesn't bite off enough of that genre. And so it's like its combination of these things feels like not enough in any direction for you. Whereas for me, I'm like, yo, fucking interesting. Like, cool that it's like really like it's, you know, a hundred minutes isn't isn't super short, but it's relatively short for movies now. And this movie really moves like quickly, you know? And like thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I guess that like their friendship is kind of the core of it. And that you, you know, you don't see it being normal for that long. But again, Amanda Seyfried just kind of like sells that for me. And there's just like, I I honestly am very impressed. Maybe now's the time to talk about Diablo Cody because we covered her previous movie last season. Mm-hmm. I am not a Juno fan. Juno is a classic, Nor am I. you know, two, two and a half star movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I could not stand, like Diablo Cody is like one of the main reasons I couldn't stand Juno. And I think she's kind of one of the main reasons I like Jennifer's body. And I figured out like what she does differently in this movie from Juno. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of the core of it, which is, so these Diablo Codyisms, right? She's like doing all this purple prose, adding this like fake slang, you know, in this movie, like very at the beginning in the voiceover, Amanda Seyfried's like calls child molesters chesters, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, "Uh, okay, whatever. But in Juno, that slang comes at the end of lines. And in this movie, it comes in the middle. So like in Juno, it's like, this is a one doodle that can't be unscrutled, home skillet. And it's, but in this movie, it's like uh, Amy Sedaris is talking, about, is talking about how she is as a mom to Amanda Seyfried. She's like, I'm a badass Ford tough, real mama, blah, blah. blah. And you're like mama bear or whatever. And you're like, okay, Ford tough is the, is the part that would go at the end in Juno and be, feel so like cringy. But in these, in this movie, it comes in the middle of line so much. So it allows the actors to kind of like bury it and like get through it in a way that's like, that, that makes it feel way more natural and way, and sometimes even charming to mm-hmm. it. So, so I, and I, and I feel like she tamped it down a lot too. Like rather than like, she says like cheese and fries instead of Jesus Christ. But like people actually did say cheese and rice instead of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? And that's like way closer than any convenience store employee saying home skillet, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't care to say, <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah. This is better than Juno. Is that <laughs> the bar is really low for me on that though? So I 
totally, totally. But I, I'm not saying it's. I I'm not saying it's just saying a little better than Juno. Uh, yeah, I know. I can tell. But <laughs> I want to go back to what you're saying about like, oh, the difference between us is like, you know, I like that it's like skimming a little bit off the top of these, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of I mean, I like that it's doing that too. I'm actually upset with what it's borrowing from these genres. Right. Okay. Like, okay. Tell me more. Well, that's what I mean. The most interesting thing that a high school movie can do is think about how social power works. Right. And sure. It, and it doesn't do that. So I'm going to keep saying that until you hear me finally. <laughs> I, I am hearing you. Wow. What? No, but I'm just what? saying like, oh, but is that not kind of hemming in that like every high school movie has to be about that? I think I think anything about like a, a milieu should do that. Yeah. You're showing a workplace. There okay. should be some okay. sense of like how power works there too. I mean, I don't know. But the, but high school movies, I don't think it has to be like the point and emphasis of it, right? But to have some sense of of that but it doesn't right like you don't have like in fact i heard you say in the beginning that every girl wants to be jennifer but that's not true in the movie there are those girls who say that they don't like her right i wasn't saying that that's her real i'm saying that's the archetype she's okay but you get little whiffs here and there of of who jennifer is right um yeah what her reputation is and these type of things but it just doesn't go far enough it it it's skimpy you know i i don't think it's it's substantive in in the ways that it's engaging with the different genres that it's borrowing from how did you feel about the relationship between uh needy and chip that was more interesting to me than the jennifer needy relationship i think it spends a lot more time like establishing uh, that dynamic. Okay, so the Chip and Needy relationship. I did find it, sure, more finely observed and mm-hmm. than the Needy-Jennifer relationship. And I found it the closest to, like, I'm not watching Jennifer's body expecting it to, like, uh, and I'm not saying you are either, expecting it to be, like, high school realism or or to, to reflect the real world in anything sure. but like exaggerated ways. But with the sure. chip relationship, it kind of did. Like s- certain moments where it's like like specifically the line when she's like telling him she can't go to I forget which is it is, homecoming or prom with him mm-hmm. and he's like I ordered your corsage. It's an orchid. It was like $12. Like I actually specifically remember my first high school dance going with a girl who ultimately looking back, I just thought was pretty, didn't like feel a connection with and not really knowing Mm -hmm. what to say. And our parents driving us and me talking about the price of the corsage, like as, Mm -hmm. as a, like, I was going to go to this one place, but they said it was that. And my parents were like, why did you say that? And so it's like that, maybe that's just very specific to me, but like that kind of thing felt very, even like as, as jokey joke of a line as it is when he says i went to super target and picked up more condoms i'm like Mm -hmm. 
That's fu- that's great shit, dude. Just like I agree, I agree. Um, when he asks if he's too big after the after they're at, she's having that like crazy vision and she's freaking out, but they're having sex for the first time, and he's like, "Is everything okay? Like, is it too big?" And you're just like, "Oh, you're like cringing, but you're like, dude, bravo, Diablo Cody and Karen Kusama." No, I think that that's a strong element of of the movie, and I think like. I wanted to choose its battle a little bit more, if that makes sense, right? Sure. Like, I think that's inter- interesting. I also think the low shoulder stuff is interesting. And I see how people want it to be post-2019. I think it's more post-2017. Like sure. They want it to be a Me Too allegory. And I get it. Like, right, these this girl is sacrificed so that these men can have power but i you know what i got derailed from this but that i want to keep talking about how like i have problems with the premise with the low shoulder thing Uh right like okay this is not a movie that's subtle so the right the exposition with the with the little thing of gas gasoline Uh that should not have been subtle okay it is (laughs) okay what do you want? You want it you want it subtle or you want it on its own terms? No, the because it's not a subtle movie, the subtlety of that feels sloppy. Okay. They should have walked out I with ashes get, on their hands from the I don't lighting get the how they get this idea that they need to sacrifice her to get some kind of power to promote themselves. I love the line that they're doing it so that they can be like um, Maroon 5. Totally. You know, like totally. the power of Maroon 5. I love that. It's so funny. But I need to kind of understand it a little bit more. Maybe just like one more fucking minute. of just kind of like laying out what the fuck is going on in that scene. And it just doesn't do that. I think it, yeah, I think it has, there's interesting things that I was learning about with the production of this movie, the marketing of this movie. The, mm-hmm. You know, the production company definitely was like, this is a Megan Fox movie. Right. And I didn't I didn't know until recently, oh, this is a Diablo Cody movie. I didn't know that, right? And so that's that's kind of interesting. Like interesting. Megan that's Fox how I kind just, of like, remember overshadows it. everything about this movie, right. right? But that was how it was marketed. Like, totally. Yeah. The posters and these type of things, they felt that they were gonna bring in all these horny teenage boys to see this movie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all of those horny teenage boys felt really let down because they don't get to see boobs <laughs> right. and stuff like that. Cause right. it's like, actually, I don't think it's actually effectively a feminist horror movie, but it's at least trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So they mm-hmm. go in and they're like, wait, what the hell? This is like the prequel to promising young woman or something like mm-hmm, that. Like mm-hmm. I can see how that was just like a total boner let down for right. all of the audience who they actually managed to get into it. But it has a potential audience, which is more like a ghost world cut, honestly, Juno kind of audience. Mm-hmm, totally. And, and it could have crafted this film more for them. And it doesn't, and it doesn't know how to do that. And I don't know. I'm not I'm even trying to point a finger. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say it's anybody's problem. I just think there's this like, it's like a swamp creature, like totally all these influences, pulling it in different ways and it just doesn't know what the hell it's doing and i i i feel sorry for it i feel sorry for it, it. i think it's pathetic 
I, I, there's, there's a lot in what you just said <laughs> to, re- to return to the low shoulder stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing, a, a couple things about low shoulder that are just fun little Easter eggs is that, so the band who wrote and sang the song Through the Trees was called Test Your Reflex, equally bad name for a band. But the singer who's singing the song, his name is Ryan Levine. So the Maroon oh. 5 connection is even stronger there. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're like... Is he a cousin? Related. I, I, pro- that seems like a common enough name. But also the fact that in that, uh, that you know, assault, attempted murder scene, yeah. Adam Brody's character is talking about how hard it is to be an indie band. And yeah. that like you have to get a, be on Letterman or get on some soundtrack. I was like, this is a meta OC commentary. This is an Adam Brody moment. And that yeah, felt really fun to me. Uh, apparently Pete Wentz might've been like considered for the Nikolai role. Uh, but they, you know, Fall Out right. Boy had some big tour or something like that. The guy from Good Charlotte also. Oh, okay. Diablo Cody really wanted it to be an actual musician. Right, 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 right. Neither of them would. And then the other person was Chad Michael Murray of the CW. Which one's that? The One Tree Hill boy, you know? Which one's that? He's also on Gilmore Girls, which is how I know. I don't know what One Tree Hill the... is, but I watched it. He was like on Gilmore Girls. Is he the main? He's the season. like, he's the, the problem guy on the OC, the like rough and tumble guy. Is that? I don't know. He's not on the OC. He's on One Tree Hill. Oh, I thought you said Chad Michael Murray. The was... C-Dub. C-W. The C-W. Do you remember? The CW? Uh, yes, I remember the CW. Jeez, give me. Goodness. I got to look up Chad Michael Murray. He's one of the CW boys, though. Okay. It's Chad Michael Murray. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, 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 him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I like how they are playing with the persona of the actors. I right. think that works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no shade. No shade on that. Totally. No shade on it. Yeah, just but I think Adam Brody um, does a lot more at does a lot more with it. And I just think he's a better actor than Megan Fox. You know, like, sure. It's yeah. not very winking either. Um, he is. The, but he just the thing he's the not good he at his what? lip syncing is horrible in this movie. Yeah. Like it's so clear that someone yeah. else is singing and maybe that's just the 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 voice is not very well matched to how he looks so it feels weird but like stuff like that and stuff like That bothers you? No. Stuff like yeah. that and stuff like in the bar the fire catching the ways in mm-hmm. which this movie is bad or the logic doesn't connect are fun to me. Like, like t- to to watch Adam Brody lip sync terribly, I'm like, this is so, he's so bad at this. And I'm like enjoying it rather than like angry or bored or something like that. Well, that's fine. But then that's to me, it's more like the level of, of watching an episode of the OC or something like that. Sure. Um, What's wrong with that? I'm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That was what I was just going to say, but I don't think it's a four-star film. Well, sorry. I'm not you don't <laughs> need to be sorry. It's an OC episode. You don't need to be sorry. 
I do think it knows what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I think it is like written in a, the, the fact that it is playing with Megan Fox's uh, celebrity, with Adam Brody's micro celebrity. Like, these are things that it is doing in a self-aware way. Even even when well, she leads, it's not one or the other that it's utterly oblivious or it knows what it's doing. Sure, that's why I'm saying it's a two and a half star movie. I think it's it like has a lot of insight into itself. Totally, and for whatever reason, it does not pull it off. And I'm even very willing to blame some like higher up executives if that makes you feel better. It doesn't. I don't need to like, feel better. About you're, your girl Diablo Cody. I think you're just mad. I don't agree with you. No, I did not. I knew coming in that you loved this movie. Yeah. I just was scared that I was going to like not be able to like disagree with you. I don't but think I'm, it's a good movie. But but you are able to disagree. You like you're disagreeing right. and what no, hold up, hold up. You're disagreeing and I'm also disagreeing and then you're like mad that I'm disagreeing. We're no. just disagreeing. What okay, then tell that like Tell me what's I'm actually mad happening. That you're, I'm mad that you're making accusations about me. I wasn't. Un- I'm sorry. Yo, I didn't. I literally told you I was not making accusations. And I'm actually not that mad. But I know I you were. I know you're not. Back at you. I want to throw it back at you because I don't think that's fair play. I oh. don't think it's fair play. I well, I first, don't. First of all, you said I'm I, not like. Oh, you like Megan Fox because she's got big boobies. Hmm, like that's why you really hmm, like this movie. Hmm, and I don't, speaking like, of I'm Aaron Brockovich, hmm, yeah, that's totally out of the uh, <laughs> realm of anything you would do, Madeline. Are we really going there? <laughs> The, I, I I think the fact that you said, I knew going into this that this would be a character assassination, I think you came loaded up expecting me to character assassinate you. That's why my disagreement about the movie feels like I'm like attacking your taste. I don't, I'm not attacking your taste. I own, and I literally, the only time I did, I tried to put it in the boundaries of this is, and I, and also, I know you're not that mad. I'm not that. I, I'm not that upset either. I just think it's funny. I, this is part of the fun of this movie to me. Is like it, what's wild is like we disagree about the quality of the movies like all the time, and mm-hmm. and and this one. And this is the one we're having it out. Well, on. which is so interesting because like it, 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 something that is fucking fascinating that like. For some reason, the really interesting thing about this movie, in some ways, is is it is it good or not? Is it does it know what it is or not? Is it is it high or low? You know, is it campy or is it straight or or not? And and, and like, as opposed to like, you know, we're not just talking about its feminism. You know, we could talk about that later. But like, I think that's really. I don't know. I think that's kind of fun that like what we're disagreeing over is like, it's good. It's bad. It's, but it's good. I don't know. Are you, are you, are you upset? No, I just feel defeated. <laughs> I don't, you came in all, you know, all hot and heavy on this. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I gave this movie such a shot. I really tried totally, to like it. Totally. I don't think it pulls off what it's trying to do. I respect what it's trying to do. I don't think it pulls it off. And I wish it was a better movie. I, I think I totally I think respect. It's as simple as that. 
And that's how I feel about Diablo Cody's like fucking feminism. Because I think she goes like, I wrote this down, like her feminism is fuck the patriarchy, but my mom is such a bitch. Like totally. I think that's great. It's it's a highly individualist, like narcissistic, um, aestheticized feminism. Um, Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's the same problem I have with Promising Young Woman, but I would say Promising Young Woman is a lot better at exploring its themes and revenge fantasy. Like, I think this could have gone in further in that direction of a kind of rape revenge fantasy, right? I love that, like, potentiality in this movie. I don't think that it... um, spends enough time and like respects that possibility though. I don't. Yeah. I, I think it takes us, takes it for granted that we're going to like enjoy a couple of scenes that click those buttons, mm-hmm. but that's not all I want from a movie. I want it to be more rigorous. I want it to be more sharp. I think yeah. it's very dull. I think it, it thinks it's doing something in some places where it's not. And I actually like, the Yellow Jackets connection was really strong for me, as I said from the beginning. I love Yellow Jackets. I think it's a great show. Mm-hmm. It has a lot in common with this movie. And one of the things I discovered in reading about this is a lot of people wish that this movie was a TV show. And I think mm. that that would have been really cool because it could have actually spent a little bit more time elaborating this, you know, female friendship at the center of it. Like, the different reasons why she chooses the victims she chooses, right? That also felt really haphazard to me. Like, I wanted it to have that Jurassic Park principle. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be like, okay, every one of these guys, quote, deserves it. But that's not true. The first guy that she kills is the poor exchange student guy. A lot of the people, like, definitely him. But even the emo kid, Colin... His his yeah, he's a sweet kid. His crime is it's a horror movie crime, which is not running away. Like he he allows himself yeah. to stay seduced. So so totally, I totally yeah. agree with that. I think to I wanted me, there to be a logic though. I wanted there to be a little bit more of a logic. I'm sorry. I just really like who she chooses. Sure, that's really not much to ask of a character like that, right? I'm fine with her being a kind of flat caricature of a Megan Fox type, but choices like that can go a really long way in developing Mm -hmm. her. And another missed opportunity. I'm sorry. I I see it as missed opportunity after missed opportunity after missed opportunity. I see the opportunity. I respect that it goes there. Like the big hole that goes nowhere. Yeah, the devil's kettle, right? I wish that that had like one more scene in the movie, right? Like just well, right. a little it's bit what more. Coughs a up, little bit more would be great. It coughs up the knife that Adam Brody was going to use to kill Megan Fox for for right. for Amanda Seyfried to eventually kill him. But you, but you're yeah. th- there's there's not a lot. It's just like whoa, it it lets out here, and it's like wait, it just. It just lets out in a in a <laughs> this whole thing that's this big mystery. It just lets out in a place. I totally agree. I just like I'm just like I find it charming. I'm like you, Jennifer's body. Oh, you like I 
So I can tell you're spellbound. I'm spell. Yeah, I'm spellbound by Megan Fox's titties, bro. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that, Dave. But how is that? How is that? How is my disagreement about that personal? Like, I see what you're saying. You're like, I want it to be more rigorous. I want it to be. Uh, I want. I I want the logic of the kills to be tighter. And I'm like. My response to that is like I totally get it. I just like like I just like it. Is that that's not personal? No, it isn't. I appreciate that you depersonalized it. I depersonalized no everything. I, there. We have I'm so glad uh. we have a record of this. Um I did want to say a thing about the <sighs> feminism though. To to and 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 I'm curious what your thought is about I would say in addition to my mom, but my mom's a bitch. I would also add like hot girls are actually insecure. Like, and that Mm. feels like a particularly, I mean, I guess it's true. If you're, if you're literally in high school, it is a revelation to realize people you idealize are insecure. But for a movie like this, it feels like it should go deeper and it, and it doesn't. And I think that's a failure of its, its feminism. Yeah. And it also then to elaborate that point at all relies a lot on, you know, a pretty diminishing representation of like, quote, ugly girls, right. (laughs) Um, Who are just jealous. Right. Yeah. I just don't don't like it. I find it very icky. But she's the one who says they're just jealous. Like she, like it, it's not. Yeah, but that's the takeaway you get from hearing the yes, uglies talk about her. You know, like who, who, sorry. who other than in the scene, in that scene where they're they're saying the mean stuff about her behind her back. You know, not the cheerleader scene. Mm-mm. Which which scene? I'm like struggling to remember this. They're talking the the other girls. See, this is what I'm talking about, though. Like, there's one scene with these other girls. Like, it's just tacked on. I'm like, let's spend a little bit more time with some of these characters. Any of them. We don't even see Megan's or Megan Fox's mom until the last scene. Yeah. I kept thinking about that the whole movie. It was like, where are her parents? She's turned into this thing. I need at least one scene where I figure out that she you know, she's neglected by her parents or like they're always out of town, even just some dialogue that establishes why this would be. But I just don't think it thinks we're that smart and we don't need that. And I, I just, I, I don't like that. It's not about trashiness. It's like, it's about taking seriously. Like, I mean, any of those movies that I named bottoms is a great example of this too really gross um gross or like cheap humor or just things like that throughout okay Mm -hmm. um but there's that still that level of intelligence that um helps you kind of frame its uh these different moves it, it makes comedically right like I don't think it has that integrity. Um, and I don't think it's very respectful of its audience. 
And I will again say that the production company, they did all this research into like, who's going to see this movie and it's all these boys. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so the feedback that Diablo Cody was getting was stuff like, I, I read that she, she got a note from, from a, you know, one of these test screenings that said, more boobs, B E W B S. Okay, that really sucks. That sounds and like I your genre a film, Yeah, I think that films like they need they need test screenings to to figure themselves out. So a lot of these issues that about its like own inner confusion could have probably been worked out if they had been uh, if the test screenings had been. Uh, including the audience I think the movie should be for, um, the Ghost World yeah. Juno audience or whatever. But right? that's just a bad it, it mismatch wasn't. of star and movie because I, I think after Transformers and with her status, there was no way that studios, production companies, whoever, would let Megan Fox be uh-huh. in a ghost world that a Juno type movie, they were like, well, she's this. I I totally, I mean, what's weird is rewatching the trailer. The band low shoulder is not in the trailer at all. And they set off the thing. It's just like portrayed as, so I agree. The marketing is like really fucked. But that's not just the marketing too. It's like that stuff was happening during the editorial process, sure. right? They could have been getting really helpful feedback, but they it was all completely useless because of what they were trying to do mm-hmm. versus what it was being sold as, right? And so I here's a pitch. I would love to watch this movie. I would love to watch a movie about the making of this movie that allows us to think about this moment in Hollywood that allows us to actually like do the moves that this far-reaching like post 2017 read does wanting it to be this allegory that it almost is mm-hmm. um i would love it if there could be some kind of retrospective or something like that that could actually like rehabilitate this movie but i don't um think it in and of itself is that right i think again all of the things that are interesting are really going on around the movie, outside of the movie. There is an of its timeness to this movie, specifically mm-hmm. regarding 9-11, that I was curious yes. if you had thoughts on. Yes. Okay. I did like that joke. That Which one? The, t- the tower one is not The 9-11 full... shooters. Yeah, the 9-11 shooters. Right. That they have at the bar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 2000... Is it 2008 that this was made and 2009 it came out? I would assume. Yeah. I think it was I think it was being made during the the election. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, and this is like so a really specific time. Whoa, what when was Four Lions was Four Lions 08 or 2010? Um I think 2010. it was 2010. Yeah. So this is yeah. the same period of time Wow, because I had a couple other points of similarity. Right, where the joke is just being able to it's be made. It's just being maybe? able to be made. In a mainstream yeah. way. I, yeah. Remind me to yeah. say the other two connections to other movies in this season. But, right, you can make jokes about, nine, like, really irreverent jokes about, like, call the less full shot glass Tower One, you know? Yes. 
Um, yes. But I also, I'm like, is this about 9-11? I, I don't know. The, the thing, the most truly potentially resonant thing for me in this movie, and granted, it involves bringing some real interpretive muscle to it, okay. is the stuff around grief. The fact that mm. Low Shoulder becomes like parlays their success on this idea of mm. them being like good guys, this song becoming a charity single, and specifically. Where only 3% of the. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 3% of the profits go to the families. Yeah. And specifically, yeah. it was after Colin, the emo kid, dies. Mm hmm. Amanda Seyfried's character, I'm going to switch, Needy, says, no one seemed to care anymore. Sorrow was last week's emotion. And the numbness of grief, especially when it is continued grief, and, mm -hmm. like, the first thing at the top of my mind is, like, Palestine with that. I think that's a little too overblown of a comparison, obviously. But, like, there are many things where, like, you know, a breakup, where, like, Oh, you throw out the last of their things. Oh, you see them at a party. Like the Band-Aid keeps being reapplied and ripped off. And that numbness, mm -hmm. I do think that's the most interesting like commentary the movie has. Yeah, I think that I think that that's interesting too. And I guess that was another thing I was wanting more of, not to just continue to say that, but um <laughs> You know, this is 10 years after Columbine, mm, right? Mm. Um, and the kind of high school tragedy arc mm -hmm. is um, the way that the community is kind of taken hold by, by this. Um, it could have made it a more substantial movie um, to me. Yeah. Spending a little bit more time with that. And yeah, I was wondering about your experience with that. There, there wasn't a school shooting at the school I went to, but I remember there were a few um, deaths in my school that were, um, there was one where it was drinking and driving mm. and another where there was, you know, but they were both vehicular accidents. Um, and just, I didn't know either of the people who, there are three people who died. I didn't know any of them, but just being in the school space around those tragedies felt really visceral to me. And there were scenes where I was, I was picking up on that, but that scene where he, he says that sorrow was last week's. Mm -hmm. um, what does he say? Sorrow she was last says week's. sorrow was last week's she emotion. Says, yeah. Sorrow was last week's emotion. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't quite understand what they were. They were trying to do with that. Was it's like trauma fatigue? Right. Or yes. Is it something actually pretty poignant that they're saying about that, or is it just this other kind of like more flippant way in which this deals with the high school tropes? Um, the the line in the beginning of the the movie is uh, that she one of the kind of exposition moments with the 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 narration is saying she's saying we we're pictures in a high school yearbook or mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm. that that's all we were just pictures in a high school yearbook right yeah um i appreciated some of that 
voiceover because I do think it it did the most in the movie at all of figuring out what the tone was. And it kind of, I don't mean to be too speculative about it, but I knowing all the like production drama um, that I do think troubles this to its core. I think that possibly the narration was one of the um, later decisions. Okay. Right. It feels a little bit because it's not consistent, Mm, right? It's just kind of bookending. Right, 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 right. Um, but I, I appreciated that for helping the audience kind of get into the groove of what the hell this thing is. At the same time, I I felt a little bit mes- misled at, at points, which is why when the bar fire happened, I was pretty convinced it was happening in her head um, right. for a really long time. Totally, totally. I um, mean, I guess that's what clues me into like, it as a heightened reality and why I'm able to buy a lot more of it is because she in mm-hmm. that, yeah, that, that voiceover, I, I, on some level, I can't explain why it happens to work for me. Cause if I were to watch a movie and hear a voiceover that has some very slight variation on like, you're probably wondering how I got this way is like, mm-hmm. I would be like, get the fuck out of here. But with this, I'm just like, I'm just like, Oh, Okay. It, to, it almost feels like a commentary on that type of narration. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but that's what yeah, it feels like. It could have been trying to do that. Right. right. <laughs> that's what I'll yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And it feels <laughs> heightened to me. But I guess my my other big question – well, okay, so a lot of things. You mentioned the, the is it being flippant or deep with that uh, trauma was – or, mm-hmm. you know, sorrow was last week's. I, I think it's – to me, I think it's like using a flippant joke. It's like when the joke is actually just the truth, but the joke is, I said it in a jokey tone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which like can be funny yeah. or can be like, okay. And I think- Which is kind of a Diablo Cody problem, t- Totally. Right? But the mm-hmm. other big thing for me, other than, uh, not other than, there's a lot of big things for me. Is, is tone <laughs> different than genre? That's one of my big questions for you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I do think so. How, right? And um, I agree, but how? Like, what are the? Yeah, tone is how you inhabit a genre, right? And how you're making use of the genre. So is genre right? just so like tropes. you could have like a? I mean, genre is conventions, right? Tropes and conventions, yeah, right? Yeah. So rules, yeah, and and um, so tone is a way of navigating those rules mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, or style mm-hmm. right like there's many ways to make a western for instance sure right we thought about that with a vampire in mm-hmm. fact right but like um that movie's tone um tells us how to approach its genre how to make sense of its use of that genre i think right mm-hmm. they should be working in conjunction with each other and i guess that that's what I don't feel feel is um, really clicking in Jennifer's body. And I guess that's what I like. I like the way the tone yeah. rubs up against it. You like the, I mean, I, I said earlier, I'm not going to say this is my genre of reveal, but it is a swamp creature. You know? Yeah. And I think you like the swamp creatureness I, I of it. Absolutely. like, what the hell is I this? absolutely <laughs> like the swamp creatureness of it. 
Yeah. I, and I can appreciate that. I just, I guess with other movies, it's easier for me. I'm too caught up on my frustration at how much better I think it could be. Right. Because I think it actually does have something at its kernel that's really cool. Is it fair to say Um, you're not mad? You're just disappointed? I said I felt sorry for it. I feel like it's pathetic, you know? (laughs) I think it's so funny to feel sorry for a movie and to like, to be like, to think a movie is pathetic. It's like pathetic, not in a way where you're like, like, I'll see movies and be like, this shit's pathetic. Like it's a pathetic attempt at something, but I feel like your (laughs) pathetic relationship to this movie is it's almost like a creature where you're like, this thing is fucking, this living thing is pathetic. I just, I don't (laughs) even hate this thing. It's just a two and a half star shit. I feel like, I don't know. I find that very amusing. It makes me sad because I think there is something really earnest about it. And yeah. I usually say that in a very pejorative way, but <laughs> here I'm, I'm not, I, I think, I think it has good intentions. Um, yeah. It's reminding me of this dinner party I threw in college. I, I don't think I'd ever thrown a dinner party before and I don't think I ever threw one after but I I was very ambitious with my friend and we were gonna make this like Mediterranean like vegan feast okay and I made all of this hummus and um it didn't have any tahini in it and it was absolutely disgusting (laughs) okay and it was like, I could take pictures. Everyone came in, they saw the food. Yeah. And sat down, wow, the food looks really good. But then you put it in your mouth and you're like, there's something not right about this. It just tastes sour and, you know, chalky. Yeah. It just tastes like ground up chickpeas. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're... It's missing some ingredients. We're skipping rocks know? over multiple genres that you could have, which is tahini-less hummus <laughs> which you can have but i i remember that being a really big problem with it it was also missing i think olive oil it was missing some stuff in it, it but, <laughs> missing nearly you know, everything it, it sounds like look, <laughs> it was but it looked good it really looked good yeah yeah but, of course and then it was embarrassing it was embarrassing because i had all my friends and we ate and i was just i ate a couple bites in and i knew it was bad and I'm watching all around the table and everyone's trying to pretend it's so good because no one's ever fucking had somebody make a dinner party for them before. They're like right, 19 right, years right, old, right. you know, and there's like candles and stuff like that. I make this big show of it. But no, there's it's disgusting. Like it gave people stomach aches. You know, it was bad. Well, and so I think that that's the thing. It's like the setup, the premise, all of these um Really good ideas, you know, that just don't take hold in the way that they they should. And so it's just sad. It's just sad. It's pathetic. <laughs> and and in this metaphor, I am the person who, for some reason, I'm the sicko who tastes this just ground up chickpeas. And I'm like, holy fuck. 
I didn't know you could just grind up chickpeas. <laughs> this shit, it doesn't taste like hummus, but it's wild. I fucking love, have you ever had just ground up chickpeas before? You guys got to get on this. It's not for everybody, but goddamn, ground up chickpeas. Give me yum, 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 yum. Yeah. Did you have, you, you said that you had. There might have been somebody like that at my party. They might have had a lot of marijuana. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> there you go. Enabled them to think it maybe was this is better than it was. Maybe this is a substance <laughs> substitute for me. Um, is is speaking of what you want, like what this movie could be? You had said that there is a fantasy version of this movie that you imagine. Well, I want there to be another. I want there to be a retrospective. I want there to be a making of okay. this movie. Like a what's the and it could be a movie like the Disaster Artist or something like or like that. the Man like of the La Mancha Franco. sort of what's the movie Yeah, I mean that was a that was a documentary. A doc- okay, you don't want a, a documentary that never got made. Not the ter- yeah the Terry Gilliam yeah 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 zero, yeah. What you're I've never about. seen it, but I know about it. Yeah. Well, it could be a documentary, but it could also be a movie about the making of the movie in the kind of way that the disaster artist was or something okay. like that. That would be very interesting, you know. And we could have Megan Fox as Megan Fox. Okay. Yes. You know, I, and that would be playing with the things that the movie's already doing, but enhancing them in a way that's more effective. And I feel like, I wonder if Diablo Cody had had a bit more autonomy, if this could have been the thing that I want it to be, you know, I, I, I'm really curious about how much the failures of this movie are really fascinating like stories about power in Hollywood, which this thing is clearly scratching at and we want it to allegorize, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. What if we saw kind of behind the scenes, what, what, what took place? I don't know. Well, I think another, maybe this is just an addendum to the Megan Fox stuff, but one of the things that's mm-hmm. really fascinating to me about Megan Fox as a phenomenon is her this idea and this you get this in that open letter from the transformers crew that was posted to michael bay's website god yeah just like horrific so like what's the what's the one where they blame her tattoos on um on a horrible childhood uh but makeup beware she has a paragraph tattooed to her backside probably do her rotten childhood after they're talking about, they're saying she could be a porn star, but beware makeup on the porn star set. It's just like, it's really rough stuff. But they, yeah, they A, compare really her to Angelina Jolie, which is a comparison I saw multiple times of like a, da- which is literally has to do with the way someone looks. I think it is a, it is the fact that they're not mm-hmm. blonde, a certain egg- angularity of features kind of and piercing eyes. And that it's, it's like, whoa, she's dangerous, you know? And so mm-hmm. so there's that. But also this idea that she should be so grateful for having been mm-hmm. plucked from obscurity. And it's just like mm-hmm. the, 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 the amount of – there's so much in that. There's like massive yeah. patriarchy. There's massive capitalist – exploitation fame machine stuff going on. I just find that really, that is the thing that most makes me willing to reevaluate Megan Fox. You know, I never evaluated her in the first place. (laughs) 
So I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And I don't say that in a way where, um, I don't know who the equivalent of Megan Fox is right now. Oh, but who is it? It's not really like that. Well, it's just this movie came out my first year of grad school. Yeah, so this is like yeah. peak 2008 to like 2012, 2013. I'm just not on my game pop culture wise. I don't know anything that's going on because I enter grad school and then I had a kid. And just right. Don't go to movies <laughs> right. ever. Um and so I feel kind of oblivious to this whole thing. It's kind of cool to just be catching up to it now because I think um, you can really see how much, I mean, I imagine in the years to come too, she will become more and more significant in this, you know, questioning recent history in Hollywood, mm-hmm. right? So one of the things I, I heard about her is that Michael Bay asked her to, did you hear this about her audition for Transformers? Which I haven't seen. No. <laughs> um, he, the audition tape is her washing his car. He had her wash his car in front of him. Oh my God. And I guess there's this like incredibly sexy, you know, like water bubbles, oh, sh- shorts or whatever kind of scene. Right. But I mean, that's, that's pretty... Yeah, it's rough stuff, and um, I think we can appreciate how much she's the product of of that kind of Hollywood, that moment in Hollywood, which is not over, right? Yeah. Um, but and I get, I want to return to my as generous a possible read on her acting skills. I just don't think that anyone supported her in that way, right? And. And that is also the history in Hollywood of actors like Marilyn Monroe famously was trying to be taken seriously and continuously discouraged from actually studying acting. But she did study acting and she's fucking. She did. She she absolutely did. A great comic actress in some of the like in seminary. She's really funny. No, but she was that despite all of the discouragement Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. faced. She was, you know, and so uh, there's a long, I'm imagining that Megan Fox faced similar challenges in trying to get, get herself um, taken more seriously. I appreciate that the movie is trying to do that and like extending that opportunity to her to make fun of herself, to like, wink a bit at the at the mm-hmm. audience she understands what they think of her and and she's more than that I, I think it has all of those things going on it just um it just seems pretty clear to me that that um at this point at least she hadn't had many opportunities to to work on her acting to study it to maybe feel supported around that as an actress well you know totally to speak to this i did see a very short clip of a q a from what must have been around that time mm-hmm. and it's very fucking telling a that there's an annoying guy laughing very close to the camera a lot of it b that the i think the same guy asks her a question about like what what was it like to the difference in 
in acting in this versus your other movies? And she responds like kind of cutting through his like fluffing up of this question. She mean she's like, you mean, you mean how is acting different than this between this and the Transformers movies? And everyone like laughs. And uh, she's like, basically says like, this was actual acting, you know? And then someone else is like, asks another question and is like, but can it be sexy too or something like that? And then it's almost like, I didn't see this, but the way I I hear, I heard her voice, it felt like she shifted into performative star, Maxim star mode where she's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's definitely sexy. Like, put your sexy shoes on. And people start laughing so hard, which is like, not, it's like, this isn't that funny of a joke. It's just her showing, mm-hmm. it's like people willing to bend over backwards for this person who, like, any ethereally beautiful woman who's willing to, like, humanize herself slightly, everyone's like, mm-hmm. amazing, you know? And... And yeah. and the difference between her being like, yeah, it was fun to really acting. And then seeing the pressure of like, you know, can you do this? She's like, don't worry. It's re-, like, like, I think it, the conflict resides in her as well. Yeah. I mean, I imagine, I, I imagine it would be impossible to, to escape, you know, um, my sense of her is that she's really boxed in, you know, um, yeah. And that this didn't this didn't get her out of it. It's too bad. Well, but. the last box I have to think about is something mm-hmm. that is a a blind spot for me as a straight guy, but I do have friends who are like this is the movie that showed me that I'm a lesbian. And mm-hmm. so there's like definitely a like you know, a queerness to this movie. Uh, I th- I think there's not a lot of real eroticism in the movie. It's either played for like violence or the the jokes of like, am I too big? But the closest thing to an erotic moment is th- Jennifer and Needy's kiss. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do, do you have any thoughts on the queerness of this movie? Or is this just another way where you're like, nah, it's just another thing in the mix like flavor that d- isn't strong enough in the stew yeah it's it's that okay it's like i was waiting for it the whole movie too mm-hmm. you know i mean i think the first act really like sets up that expectation and so i was glad that it finally got to it right um in the end i was a little bit frustrated that it was such a long wait um and um again was something that felt like an unreasonable expectation of Amanda Seyfried. Like she is just doing so much (laughs) in this movie. It's exhausting. Um, And I guess that's part of what I'm like really responding to. One of the things I was thinking about was that she really like physically reminds me of Heather Graham. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I get that. But she also comedically does. And I really, I think Heather Graham is like, such an underappreciated actress Mm -hmm. and so funny. Um, She really knows how to work that weird line of like, of 
Um, I mean, that's the other thing. I look at Amanda Seyfried and I look at Megan Fox and I'm like, Amanda Seyfried is like the most beautiful woman mm-hmm. <laughs> alive, mm-hmm. basically. She's, yeah. And I actually don't get the thing about Megan Fox. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not like, oh, I don't understand at all. Right. Well, well, of course, I get I get it kind of. Yeah. But um, she she does look generic. I know that mm-hmm. that's one of the things that she's called. She looks generic. And um, Amanda Seyfried has like a, a very different kind of beauty, um, which is kind of subdued. But it's also that's one of the things I did kind of like about it was like kind of winking at us about, you know, oh, she's she's the less pretty the one because she wears glasses <laughs> right. and she's kind of nerdy. Right. And we all we all know that she's not. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, she could have played the Jennifer character really well, too. Um Definitely. I'm thinking about Mean Girls. The character in Mean Girls, mm-hmm. like, is Jennifer, right? <laughs> or even honestly, the dropout. She's she's a like mm, a twisted yeah. version of Jennifer. I, of that. Dude. Yeah, but yeah. again, there are more dimensions there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and in Mean Girls, that's her first role. She does not have a lot of screen time. Every single scene she's in, she's all you want to I mean. Not in an intentional peacocky way, but I do think she's a scene stealer. And yeah. um, she just doesn't have a lot to work with. And she just does everything she can with it and adds something to it. And I just find her effervescent. I totally. mean, she's a really great actress. And I just kind of, I don't know. I It does sound really mean, but I kind of just wonder what this movie would be like without Megan Fox. Like if it had a little bit different casting. That is the first time you've presented an alternate vision of this movie to me where I'm like, okay, now I would actually like want to see what that, uh, yeah, to see her as Jennifer. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's cool. Who's, who plays needy though? Is it, are we going Mean Girls? Are we going Rachel McAdams plays needy? Are we going? She could have been great. Sure. going? I'm trying to think of like that era and like and and it is it was the dark ages for me. Uh, right. Who would have been a good Right. Um Yeah, I don't know. There's something this movie also struck me as like kind of having a Katie Holmesness to Okay, it. <laughs> okay. So say say more. I kind of can like make out the outline of what that means. I think she did some kind of high school horror movie mm. in this moment. Um, that's maybe that's just what's smacking in my mouth. Okay. Um, what what do you think about this in terms of um, Diablo Cody? Like, I think it's interesting. We've done a Di- Diablo Cody both yeah. seasons yeah. now. Um, you're definitely way more. I okay. I'm not sure if I like this more than Juno that much, but I do think it's, I think it's a better movie than Juno. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in terms of Diablo Cody's like larger filmography. Well, yeah. What was, do you like any of her movies? Or? I mean, I like this one. I don't like Juno at all. What, what is the, what is the rest of her filmography? I remember being, cause I really like it. I really like young, adult young adult with Charlize. Right. I think that that's a really, really incredible movie. 
at least within this filmography. Whoa. It Did you know st- she had it an, seems to stand out. Another movie with Charlize called Tully? I did. That's wild. My kid's name Tully. Right. So a lot of people, and it's a movie about postpartum depression. Oh, God. So a lot of people told me to watch it, and I did not watch yeah, it. Yeah, that seems um, smart. I actually heard it was really terrible um, in terms of its representation of, of postpartum. Sure. Um, I've not but, se- I've not seen anything else yeah. other than Young Adult, which I don't remember. Oh, United States of Terra? I never really watched that. Did it, were, you, were you a United States of Terra fan? No. no. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's weird. I had really strong, probably... I must have been misogyny inflected feelings about Diablo Cody in this era Mm -hmm. as someone learning Mm -hmm. that I wanted to, well, at the time learning that I wanted to like try to be in Hollywood entertainment and, and be like, you know, on some level creating things, which means writing. So I'm experiencing this jealousy of like, how is this person writing? And they're doing all this fucking, I keep saying it, but all this home skillet bullshit in Juno (laughs) and in this movie, I mean, that's what I was surprised by. I was like, I was like, damn, I just think Diablo Cody like kind of nails it in this movie. And, and I did feel like I had unlocked something with that, like Hmm. putting it in the middle of the line as opposed to the end of the line thing. Well, and maybe it would have been a much, much worse movie if there weren't all of these interventions and muddling with the tone and purpose of it, because it would have been much more of a Diablo Cody joint or something like that. And then it would just have been unbearable. Maybe that's maybe that's the a little cutesier somehow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, speaking of her, did you notice that she had a cameo as a bartender in the uh, the bar scene? Yeah, no, I didn't. Speaking of her lines, the my, a candidate for the best line in the movie to me is when, what's his name, Chip's mom gives him the mace. And, yes. and she says, there's obviously a sicko out there who likes boys. And I was mm-hmm. just like, it, it's, 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 it's not lingered on. And I think that's what this movie does right. It like doesn't linger on it's it's not subtle, yeah, but it keeps moving, and so that lack of subtlety, like, is 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 blurred past a little bit more, yeah. yeah. And and I just thought that there's obviously a sicko out there who likes boys was just it's not great. indulgent. It's not a self indulgent movie, right? Um, I I do admire that because um, it really could be. It could be. But I don't know, like Amy Sedaris is so good, but there's just not enough of her. It's Definitely. Just, there's a lot of things like yeah. that where I was just frustrated. And um, it the, the bad mom thing is kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even uh, see not her. Not that you need to have good moms in a movie where there's like literally no good characters. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. But uh, that's fine. But it's just, it. there's just something about this this brand of feminism that's so unappealing to me. And um, I I love the revenge fantasy angle it could have gone in. But again, 
I need that logic with her victims. But you don't like promising young woman either, right? Mm-hmm. What is a revenge fantasy movie that you do like? Hmm. That's I have to. That's homework. Okay. I have to. Come was back hard. To I never saw it, but Elliot Page in Hard Candy was that. Yeah, I never saw okay. that either. That was my sense that that was at least at the time had some buzz as like a good revenge movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Kill Bill is a great example of a revenge plot, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't really need to know that much about her character. She doesn't need to have a lot of exposition around her. Sure. She has a very clear motivation, though. And so she's dynamic because of that. And I guess that that's what I think Jennifer could have been. Well, there also is just, I mean, even the difference between, because Amanda Seyfried is not like hella experienced in 2009. Like she's still like Mm -mm. making her waves, but the, there is something that, um, that any experience, especially acting, which is so intangible there is, there is a weight that that experience lends you that just like, Mm-hmm. Not to be too much about like the intangibles, like it's just a thing. It's just an it factor or something. But it's like, it's the opposite of an it factor in some ways. It's experience. It's like an experienced mm-hmm. actor would just stand, sit, move slightly differently than Megan Fox yeah. in this in a way that, y- you know, w- that's how Uma Thurman in Kill Bill can like be mostly right. quiet. But you're like, oh, this person's bringing so much to this. And it's hard to yeah. quantify what that is, but a lot of it is like years spent acting and, and assuming characters. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think maybe it just puts too much pressure on Megan Fox. <laughs> yeah, know? sure. Um, and Seyfried at this point had... Um, so I was interested in this. The movie she did right before this was Mamma Mia. I mean, she has such range. It's wild. I've never seen um, Mamma Mia. I don't Should really I like Mamma Mia. Yeah, whatever. Fun. I mean, it's yeah. fine. It's a musical, yeah. whatever. I mean, but she just had this experience doing a musical with Meryl Streep, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and she was at that point still on Big Love, which mm. in terms of like an actor at that time, getting cast on one of those HBO series where you're playing... Right. I mean, she had like built-in mentorship with a number of very good actors and was just putting in a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. So I think she, yeah, she was just bringing like a a really different like caliber to to this project. Totally. It's no fault of either of theirs. I just don't, I don't know. There seemed... A more interesting movie also could have been like going the scream route, you know? Okay. Where it's like Drew Barrymore's in this, Drew Barrymore's in this, blah, 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 blah. And then she's right. dead in 10 minutes and you have yeah. to, oh, Nev Campbell yeah. actually mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that some kind of switcheroo like that could have been sure, really cool. Sure. But you still have Jennifer as like the centerpiece through the whole thing. And I just don't think that's how 
it should be organized. I mean, I, I think it's like a really deep structural problem. Well, <laughs> then movie. this is this is actually really fascinating to our project because it's a thing that we have not discussed mm-hmm. before because it is not – I think there are ways in which we have, even if not totally explicitly, referenced how production affects genre, you know. But here yeah. it is casting. Ca- the cast mm-hmm. – and like obviously – casting isn't when you're casting Megan Fox, you're not like seeing a bunch of actors and then going, Oh, she's the one, you know, that she exists beforehand. Yeah. But the, the way casting directly affects the genre of this movie is really, really fascinating. Yeah. And the ripple effects, like, I don't think the Diablo Cody seem to have known like, Oh, I, I signed Megan Fox onto right. this. And therefore, like, I've relinquished a lot of my authorial control over not just marketing, but yeah, like I said, it's not just the promotion of it. It was that really important point in the editorial process where they're going to get some feedback from people who could really love this movie. Um, And that wasn't how it went, you know? And yeah. so I think, well, I think it's a lot of it is just, it's just unfortunate. <laughs> definitely. I, th- I think it's a fight between, I mean, I don't think the end result is particularly unfortunate, obviously, yeah. but I do think it's a, it also shows at least in this Hollywood system. It, it's a very interesting case study of Diablo Cody is just off a screenplay nomination for Juno. Mm-hmm. This is her direct next movie, which is like, sure, is she's it? the writer. She's not like the uh, the director necessarily, but still you would think that she's got some cachet as like a prestige person. But when prestige goes up against mainstream appeal, especially to yeah. fucking 13-year-old boys, that the latter just seems like it's always going to win. Yeah. Well, are we at genre reveal time? I think so. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. I am ready to go first if you want. But if you you have one, you can also start I mean, I do, but... Okay, well, uh, you you start start yours off because I'm excited. So we'll we'll bookend the, uh, the episode with me enjoying the movie. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I called it R-rated CW scape. Okay, scape like landscape. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. It that is absolutely the most coherent part of the movie is that it feels like it could easily be adapted into a TV show on the CW. Sure, totally. Like it's got the play with horror, like. Buffy or Charmed, mm-hmm. right? It's got the hot actors who are way too old to be playing <laughs> high school students. Um, and it has that kind of, um, you know, uh, charming, not so charming sense of character like a quirkiness you know a la Gilmore Girls or something like that like has just a little bit of like a kind of 
a narrative style dialogue style that like feels um like a a little bit of a fantasy world that um that you're invited into right it's like not trying to do a kind of like realistic high school show like a 90210 kind of a thing it's there's something fanciful about it right? like good guilty pleasure sort of thing where you're like have you seen riverdale though it's actually like kind of great you know like that kind of it's it's very riverdale yeah 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 yeah, totally um but yeah, but it's the R-rated version of that. So it's like, you know, what what could they do if it's it's, it's the the possibility that's always kind of like looming over a CW mm-hmm. show, right? Like that it could get a little bit more graphic. Right. You know, so that's what I think. Which is, is so interesting that the R-ratedness like is all down to violence in this. Because they yeah. do show cleavage a lot and like mm-hmm. and show clothed breasts like bodies are like very much like you you know like people are like women are objectified by the camera in this movie but that i actually didn't realize that they're not actually ever naked you know what i mean and i was like that's kind of oh yeah that is interesting that it's pretty interesting and i also was kind of like me along with one of another my last what if what if this was a pg-13 though you know, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of its, it, it, it didn't do well in theaters. It was kind of rediscovered a bunch of right. years later. Mm-hmm. The R-ratedness seems like a part of that. Right? Sure, sure. Um, and that seems like the only risk that they're really taking with Megan Fox. Right. Is that they know that she's a PG-13 yeah. icon. Yeah. And they're promising her audience an R-rated version of that. And they're not delivering. So yeah. I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Right. But that's the Drew Barrymore of this movie is Megan Fox's breasts. You're not going to see them. You're not going to see them. They get zipped up into a hoodie. They get zipped up into a hoodie. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, speaking of breasts, two and a half stars. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of breasts, the connection, the two, two connections other than four lines to previous movies in this season, uh, Aaron Brockovich, when she's like, they're called breasts. Uh, yeah, in called the breasts, in yeah. the bar scene, <laughs> Megan Fox is like grabbing Amanda Seyfried's breasts and is like, and is like, you can use these. These are both. So I was like, okay, that's a nice little Aaron Brockovich moment. Mm-hmm. And then there's a girl walks home alone at night connection with Amanda Seyfried's like, almost like astral projected connection to Jennifer's literal body where mm-hmm. a before she's even bit she uh or, or before Megan Fox is even like attempted to be sacrificed Amanda Seyfried knows she's there she's with her boyfriend and she's like oh mm-hmm. Jennifer's here and mm-hmm. he's like that's so weird how you know that and then the reason why she's able to get to the pool house oh. in time mm-hmm. is because Jennifer kisses her boyfriend and she like feels it on her lips yes. and she's like, and I was like, Whoa, that's, and that reminds me of the cat where, uh, the vamp, the girl, oh, yeah. the girl walks home, like sees kind of sees through the cat's eyes and knows where yeah. the creepy dad is. Um, yeah. But did you notice there was the scene in the sandbox where uh-huh. she bloodies herself? Right. Yeah. And I think that that, again, I'm like, could you explain a little bit more what you're doing with that moment? Does that mean 
that she's had this weird connection power in some way Um, by blood to Jennifer the whole time. It's again, it's like the little shoulder motivation. I'm just like, just a little bit more. Like one or two more lines of dialogue would really, really help me out. That is interesting. It's not. Yeah. I will say the other thing I want to say, and I promise I'll say my genre reveal after this. The pool house. (laughs) The pool house scene. I fucking love that shit, dude. That shit looks like I saw people say there was too much CGI in this movie. I guess I get it. But like her, like shooting out of the water and just kind of hovering there and all the water like dripping from her dress down in front of them. Yeah. looks that was so cool. fucking cool. That pool house is so gnarly. Like the set design, the, all the low rise jeans, the costumes of this movie was like mm-hmm. so perfect. And mm-hmm. I'll say, I almost, I, I was trying to figure out a way metaphorically to make it work to say that my genre was low rise jeans, mm. but instead my genre for this movie plain and simple, is Screamo. Screamo? There are, you're familiar with the the musical genre Screamo? No. Oh, okay. Uh, It's emo, but with like sort of hardcore metal, like like screaming, singing. Yeah, this is maybe why I don't like it. Okay, here we go, right? (laughs) Because I never liked emo either. Right, it's it's extreme, okay? Mm -hmm. It is is, uh, off-putting, in mm-hmm. in some ways, like not for everyone. In fact, I don't like most screamo music, but there's a That's couple a of <laughs> there's a couple of songs, couple of albums by a couple of bands. Okay. Early Thursday. There's this one the used album that I liked. Okay. And when that shit hits, it gets me amped in a way that I was amped at the beginning of this podcast. And I and I'm just like I'm just like yo I know this shit is wild but I'm fucking loving this like I know I shouldn't but like yo like they're really doing it and it's like so satisfying on this like visceral very teenage connected yeah. way yeah. I'm really I'm feeling good about screamo as a genre I I actually movie. feel like that that's exactly what a genre reveal should do is just concisely tell you like provide instructions for how to interact with yeah. an object. Right. Uh, right. If I, if I, I had really well, if I had told you this was a screamo movie beforehand, you would have not watched it and we'd have not had this episode. I would have watched it. I was really <laughs> curious about it because you were definitely not the first person to, to tell me, you know, oh, yeah, you watch it's this. a bit of a I thing. Like That's I how I have a lot of friends it. who like this movie. Um, so I really, I honestly gave this more of a shot than I think I've given almost anything that we've watched. I really actually wanted to like this movie. And yeah. I do think that that's, again, the two and a half starsness of it. But, um, I Four mean, stars. it's interesting. We just watched uh, Silkwood. I'm thinking about Cher in that. Okay. And what a what a bizarre casting that was yeah, and how yeah. she really didn't have any acting experience. She was a a sex icon, you know. Really? This was before all her like big roles, Silkwood was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um it was seen as a huge risk that Mike Nichols took working with her and with Kurt mm. Russell in that movie. Mm. But she I mean, it's not fair to compare these things, but it was just reminding me of that where um, I just, I really wish 
the risk of casting Megan Fox paid off. I really wish that for this movie. Like, you know what I mean? It is a big risk. It's great that it takes it. But um, unfortunately, for those of us who like the movie, it really did pay off. It did pay off. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a I, I think we should there should be like a we should have like a special features DVD version of the episode where you can either hear just just my sides of the conversation or just your sides of the conversation and have a get, come away with a very different uh, opinion of of what this movie is and how well it succeeds. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is our show. Thanks for listening to Genre Reveal Party. Come back, come back to your app, your your podcast app next week, and uh, yeah, listen to my other show. This is your afterlife. You got anything to promote? I have nothing to promote. Okay, great. I just need to take a nap. I promote taking breaks from working too much. All right. So So listen to my podcast while you take breaks from working too much. Absolutely. Absolutely.